serious. Then I will break you. Hulk smash! You really adopted the dark. I could do this all day. Welcome to Title Theory, our branch of the Title Run podcast, where we discuss all things nerdy and spectacular. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, joined here by my good amigo and colleague and co-host, William Lindblad. William, tell the people what's up. Hey, everybody. So we are here to discuss Loki, the latest addition to the Marvel Cinematic slash television universe. It has been a kind of up and down roller coaster so far with a lot of intrigue. It's made us ask a lot of questions. It's brought up a lot of things that we're interested in. And, um, you know, William, you, me, Scott, and Gordon have been discussing this at length during our group chats with you and me talking about it a little bit more in depth. But um, I wanted to go ahead and start with this. What are the best and worst parts of the show so far, in your opinion? I think uh, starting with the best, I I think this show in particular, um, I don't know that it's it it had the benefit of learning from the other two shows in anything other than like how it was presented and marketed. Um, But in terms of like the plot and everything, I don't know that it had the the ability to learn from uh, WandaVision or falcon and the winter soldier but uh, i would say this one feels the most like an mcu property to me if it's more comfortable uh and in terms of like i feel like i'm watching a very shortened form or a lot an extended form of like a a marvel movie versus wandavision or falcon and the winter soldier which felt a little different um than the mcu was offering us at the time yeah, um, Wanda's vision was completely out of left field, and Falcon Winter Soldier <laughs> felt like a serialized TV show. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I, I I think I expected, um, and I won't say that I was disappointed in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Obviously, mm-hmm. I was very much looking forward to it, but what I was looking forward to was more of a like Captain America: The Winter Soldier sort of vibe to it, mm-hmm. and I I, de- I didn't really get the uh, the grandiose sort of scale of it that. Um, that Winter Soldier the movie had, um, but I, I definitely enjoyed the plot. I enjoyed what they were doing. I, I want uh, sort of like the Snyder cut. I want them to piece together what it would have been pre-COVID, because I know they did a lot of editing with yeah. uh, with the plot lines and stuff for the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, and I want to see what it would have been without that, without those edits. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would say that for me, the best part has been a Loki is probably my favorite Marvel character, which is, I mean, I, if not, he's in my top three. I absolutely love Loki. Can I get enough of him? This was the show that I've been looking forward to most, which ironically, you were very skeptical about this show, which is funny to me because you are a huge Loki fan. Yep. But um, I was looking forward to this show the most. The idea of the time travel and the time variance authority being involved to me created just a super intriguing story. Time travel always fascinates me. Um, you know, one of my all time favorite movies is Back to the Future, which you're well aware of. Uh, uh, Grady, if you ever listen to this, I hope you saw those couplings I gave you because uh, for his wedding, I gave him a flux capacitor, a set of flux capacitor <laughs> couplings. <laughs> so, um, nice. but I think that one of the best parts of the show is just the fact that it involves Loki and also. The fact that we know this show is going to have a lot of connective tissue that ties together parts of the rest of the MCU. And so that in and of itself has been intriguing to me, just seeing how it's going to tie together this big picture. Um, 
the bigger pictures of what's going on in the MCU outside of it. Uh, also, the next best part of the show is without question Owen Wilson as Mobius <laughs> and Mobius. He is like the MVP of the show so far. Yeah, definitely. I, it's one of those things where it's like a pleasant surprise because you hear that he got cast and you're like, huh? <laughs> I, I can maybe see that, maybe, but you have a definite idea of like what you think Owen Wilson is yeah. from like all of his previous yeah. movie appearances. And you're like, I don't, I don't know if that's gonna, that's gonna drive, but it's so far, it's like you said, it's, it's like the, like the top highlight of the show so far um, in a show that doesn't have a shortage of highlights. So. And ironically, when you watch the show, it's Owen Wilson essentially just playing himself. I mean, it's, it's every other Owen Wilson character. It's just really well done and it fits really well onto the story they're telling. Yeah. I think, I think his laid back sort of personality is a good counterbalance to Loki who's yes. like intense very intense and like he's always got a plan in motion and um, you get Owen Wilson who's more like a like a psychologist and it's just like asking questions and sort of like letting the other people come to their own realizations that he's something he already knows yeah and he's also kind of a juxtaposition from some of the other characters we see in the TV like he's way different than Renslayer mm-hmm. um, and you know and Casey the uptight crazy guy that's in there, bro, <laughs> who's also very entertaining uh, so Worst part of the show so far? Ooh, uh, the, the worst part is I don't have all the answers yet. Uh, yeah. And I, I think I think that's that's part of the, the tease of the whole long form uh, right. series format uh, that I never actually cared for, even on like TV, TV with like Lost and things like that. We're like, I, I want to know what happens next. I don't want to wait a week to do it. Uh, but I, I think that's my, my, my biggest gripe is um, beyond anything like functional or artistic with like pacing or storytelling, um, even though there was a little bit of that, I think in episode three where it sort of slowed oh, down a little bit, oh, but gosh, yes. I, I view that more as like it's laying a foundation for stuff that's coming later. And so I, I give it more of a, a break, I think, um, even though it was of the, t- of the first three, it definitely was my least favorite um, wow. overall. But uh, I it's, it's just... The, the series sort of format like I want I'm Netflix broke the world right. uh, in their brain so we all expect an entire series to just be bingeable yes so we can yes, look at all yes. the episodes from from premiere to finale um, at once or a, as quickly as we can and so this idea of getting spoon fed like 50 minutes each each Wednesday um, is sort of like causing us to go crazy. And one of my complaints is that, like, I'm willing to wait for an answer to a question that is asked till the next episode. But in that episode, I want that question resolved. Yeah. So by that, what I mean is, okay, in episode two, we are left wondering who is Sylvie and what is your plan? My expectation is that in episode three, when we know they are trapped together on a planet in an apocalyptic (laughs) situation, that during the 20 to 30 minutes of dialogue they share who she is and what her plan is is going to be revealed. It wasn't. It was still left very nebulous with just hints at it. That I don't like. Like, I expect that to go ahead and be resolved and then spend episodes four, five, and six resolving other plot threads. Like, Mm -hmm. the first question we're going to talk about here, which is, why does she want to turn down the TVA? Like, I want to know that because you didn't tell me. And I know there's part of, like, making the audience wait for those answers, but again, 
you set it up for me. I think I even texted you and I said, this episode's going to be the who is mm-hmm. Sylvie and what is her motives yep. uh, episode. And we didn't get that. And in fact, I was fine with an episode that focused on character development, but I didn't really learn anything about Sylvie from this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a little disappointing. And I would, I would just say, like you said, just the format of the show, the fact that it makes you wait so long for answers. Because the WandaVision, I feel like with the last three or four episodes, there was like a big reveal in every episode. It was like and a t-shirt cannon of answers, just like launching it into the into the stands. Yeah, but there was like a different big one in every episode that kept you coming. So like, you know, you get the Agatha reveal and then you get the whole stuff about Wanda's Nexus being status. And so there's a couple of, there's a big reveal like each of the last three or four episodes. So like I was expecting to get one here and then one of the next episode and one of the next episode, et cetera, et cetera. So I was disappointed that didn't happen. Anyways, three big questions to answer as we go forward. The first one, since we didn't get it from the show, who is Sylvie and why does she want to tear down the TVA? So I've been thinking an inordinate amount about this. Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. Just, just because that's what I do. And um, I actually, before we started talking today, I was looking back at the transcript because I was watching some different like rundowns from various other nerd outlets on YouTube. Time out. Which ones do you use? I know we both watch New Rock Stars. Um, do you also do heavy yeah. spoilers? Uh, I do uh, Screen Crush with okay, Ryan that's Airy. The one I watch. Okay, uh, yep, he's really good. I like a uh, Canadian lad that does the 0.25 XP yeah. uh, breakdowns to see things that we might have missed, like details and stuff. Um, I've recently got into E-Man's reviews, which I find to be pretty cool too. Watch one or two of those, yeah. Okay, so this, we're just sharing this with those of you nerd that want to see and learn more about this. And these guys are really, really uh, well-versed in the literature and the source material. And then also offer really practical and insightful uh, theories of their own. Oftentimes, very accurate too about yeah. what we're saying. So go ahead, William. Sorry, I interrupted. Oh, that, you're perfectly fine. Uh, so in in preparing sort of for this conversation, I looked back at the transcripts from episode three just to see like what was actually said in various uh-huh. places. Um, and it does seem like she is, in fact, a Loki variant. That mm-hmm. just yeah. has a swapped uh, gender. Yeah. Um, and Loki is ge- gender fluid. And this is yes. not a political statement. That's actually something that is listed on the show yeah. on his docs in the very first episode that is that he's gender fluid. So, yeah, exactly. And he, and we know he has magic. So it's, yeah. it probably isn't going to take much for him to go boy to girl, like, yeah. like with a snap of his fingers. So, um, uh, because of that, because of, of, of uh, her actually being, a Loki variant um, and not some sort of misdirect where it's like, Oh, it's really enchantress or another yeah, character. It's, that was a popular it's, theory. It's really Loki. It's really a, a version of Loki. And I think because uh, of previous sort of revelation and dialogue that Loki is one of like, I guess their, their most wanted or most frequent uh, variants that they have to track down uh, just because of who he is and his nature is, to cause problems mm-hmm. uh, to the to the timeline, I I think that there's prob there there might be another Loki involved. Like she broke away and maybe became a a protege to another Loki, and that Loki was hunted down um, by the TVA because there mm. there definitely seems to be an an element of um, revenge to this like it's right. not it's not like a regular loki scheme where the that the end result is i'm on the throne 
or I'm in control, um, which is, I think they mentioned that in the, at the dialogue where it's like, she says, I just want to burn everything down or I want to get rid of the timekeepers and leave everything in chaos and then walk away. And the, the Loki we're used to, the, the, uh, the regular variant, he says, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, he wouldn't just leave things in chaos. He would leave himself in a position to take control of that chaos. So I think because of the difference in that motivation and that personality conflict between them in that moment, I, I think that there's definitely um, a hint of like revenge as being the purpose for this. Like something mm-hmm. was done yeah. to her by the TVA. Um, and I'm, I'm just presupposing that they took someone important away from her and that she wants revenge for that. Um, and that's why everything has to be torn down. I don't know that she has necessarily um, special knowledge of the TVA other than what would come from just like studying and interacting with them over time. Um, I mean, if you look at other movies and stuff, like people tend to learn about the people hunting them down so that they can more effectively run. Uh, so I think I've, I've heard theories that she might be a, a former TVA agent yeah, herself. I was going to say which, that, which is, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's more detached than that. I think it's, they took somebody that mattered to her, possibly her mother or, or something like that, or like her mentor character and did away with them. And it's possibly another Loki character. I'm just going to throw that extra little cherry on top. Yeah. We discussed that briefly. And the idea of her being, a former TV agent is interesting. I mean, I don't know how much good evidence there is for that, but um, but one of the things that I thought she said that was interesting was that she makes the comment, "I've been running from the TV for most of my life," and that was one that stuck with me because it's like, okay, what could have caused her to run from the TVA for the majority of her life? Was she identified as a very early on and has thus been running from the TVA forever? That's why she's so familiar with them. When she identified as a variant, brought in to be one of the TVA workers, and then spent the rest of her life on the run trying to get away from the TVA. So I don't really know. And that's actually part of the mystery that I'm okay waiting to find out. But I did kind of at least want to know what she planned because, like, she kind of, yeah, you said she kind of hints at, like, well, I wanted to burn it all down and walk away. But what does that mean? Like, it, it sounds as if she wants to get to the timekeepers and either slay them or hurt them or talk to them. Because initially when she sets off the time charges, my impression was, oh, she wants to destroy the prime timeline or the sacred timeline mm-hmm. and just send everything to chaos. But it turns out that was actually just a distraction to get all the Minutemen away from the TVA central office so she could go see the timekeepers. So I thought that was interesting. It's like, why does she want to get the timekeepers themselves and what does she want to do with them? So I know that's what we're going to wait for the big payoff to see. But um, yeah. And let me ask you this as a possible theory. And I know you heard this one because you watch some of the same stuff I do. What do you think about the idea that Loki was planting an illusion on her at the end of episode three? That once she falls asleep and wakes up, that she's in an illusion led by Loki for the majority of the rest of the episode? I think that is entirely possible. I think yeah. it fits his his MO. Right. And just in general, is that he you never quite know what, what if if what he is selling you is true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also sort of his MO to, to take the strengths that he views in the people that he's in conflict with and turn it on them themselves. Uh, so like, like Thor in Avengers where he like, he knows Thor is stronger than him, but he tricks them by saying, Oh, I bet you can't like, I bet you can't stop me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm escaping the cell. And then Thor like charges at him like he expects it to be. And he's an illusion. 
and Thor traps mm-hmm. himself in yeah in the cage in, in, in that cage yeah. and I th- I think that's basically his what he does he turns people's strengths um, against them to where they're his strengths and so I th- I think it's entirely possible I also think that he seemed really 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 optimistic the whole way yeah like when they were like yeah. running through the streets he's like yes. like he was being very much like a hero type and that's not him yeah um so i think i think that might be yeah i think that might be actually true and then it's one big fake because you're left wondering like well how are they going to get out of this hey, well exactly and that was the other thing that was the other thing it's like okay cool they can't die there's three more episodes so like there has to be some option and i'll tell you what sold me on that theory because i didn't really think about it but as soon as he as soon as he pulls out the broken i forget what it's called time tablet whatever that thing is the wristwatch fancy wristwatch as soon as he pulls it up out of his back pocket smash my first thought was we've seen this trick before haven't we Mm -hmm. in dark world where he pretends to have his arm cut off i was like like we've seen this trick before sorry i guess it's thor that pretends to have his arm cut off yeah it was like we've seen this trick before. That was the first thing I thought was I don't think that's real. It's probably not really broken. Um, so, anyways, that's something that'll be fascinating to see what comes with that. But it would make sense for him to trick her with some sort of illusion to get her trust, learn what he needs to learn, and then reveal to her that they actually still have a way off the planet. So I don't know. We'll we'll see with that. So, second question, William, how does this end? Like, where is this story going? Well. <laughs> Because we, I, I know for a fact that we have a movie coming up in a year or so that's called The Multiverse, Multiverse of Madness. Of Madness. Um, I, I would assume that this is going to end in a way that I think Sylvie would appreciate. Yeah, I agree. Uh, shall that. I say that um, we're going to find out one way or another that this TVA stuff is all a load of nonsense yeah it's it's a lie that was constructed and sold to people um we're going to find out that the the timekeepers the the mysterious powerful people behind the tva it's going to be like the wizard of oz we're going to pull back the curtain and find possibly kang the conqueror or something like that that has been like there the whole time pulling strings and turning knobs um i think renslayer's in on it uh, yeah, seems... her role. She she's not in the up and up. I would say that that's for sure. No matter what the final end game is, she is not in the up and up. Yeah, it's 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 obvious that she knows more than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it's it's kind of suspicious that she's the only one that has contact with these mysterious right. benefactors um, of this of... sprawling bureaucracy. <laughs> that's like saying like I'm the only one that ever talks to the president. The president, it's, it's, it's sort of like equilibrium now that I think about it, where it's like this huh, constructed yeah. guy talking to the masses, and it's just like just a computer generated image. By the way, if you have not, um, if you want a really good dystopian uh, action, I shouldn't call it an action movie, dystopian movie that steals from basically every other dystopian property imaginable, um, 1984. If, if, oh, you, okay. if you thought The Matrix would do well to, 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 be crossbred with 1984. It steals from 1984. It steals from the Matrix. It steals from Fahrenheit uh, 451, and mixes them all into this rather interesting story. Um, it's an old 2002 movie with Christian Bale in it of all people and Sean Bean. So you know it's it's good. So that's one we'd recommend uh, as an addition to your nerd culture. It's a little bit slow moving, but the action in the movie is actually very interesting. And one of the things that's unique about the movie is they do all their action through a gun kata. So it's <laughs> 
gun martial arts and the few scenes that have it are really really cool um realistic not so much cool yes but uh that's a good pull there william talking about that on equal labor i actually haven't watched that movie in a while um back to what we're talking about where the story goes i think we both agree that at some point this ends with like you said the curtain being pulled back on the timekeepers i have no idea what they mean what that means maybe they really are space lizards maybe like you said it really is kang pushing buttons behind a curtain Either way, I think that happens. And I think that at some point, the end result is that the TVA goes to pot and the timeline splinter out of control leading into Multiverse of Madness, where we originally thought that it might be Wanda creating the multiverse with her fooling with the Darkhold and doing all that kind of stuff. And now it seems pretty clear that it's got to come from some apocalyptic event. I'm doing that in air quotes here (laughs) that splinters everything off of the sacred timeline. So I think that's very clearly where it's going. The second question I have then is what's the end result for Loki and Sylvie? Does Loki get a get to go back to whatever timeline he chooses, which essentially reinserts him back in the prime MCU, which is what I want? Or does he exist in some splinter reality where the TVA is? Or does Sylvie get to go back to her prime timeline? Is that her goal maybe is to get back to her own original timeline? I don't know. These are things I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's... Oh man, um, I I want Loki to be able to return to the to the main MCU. Um, I think that would be interesting given his history, especially with Thor and seeing a sort of re- a reunion and things like that. Um, oh man, it's it's so hard to to try to picture, and I I have a lot of thoughts to go in a lot of different directions, but I I really don't know what happens. I because he he for all practical purposes is dead yeah uh, in the the main mcu and there's no there's no place for him besides that um and you've already seen him sort of make the the same character turn yeah and so i wonder what the like the long-term projections of that would be in the mcu because he's no longer like villain loki Mm -hmm. but he's not quite hero loki he's sort of anti-hero help when I can sort of sort of thing oh man that's a, so, that's a really good question what's interesting about it Williams what you said is like there's not really a character arc left for him you've already seen it you've already seen him turn from kind of evil to good sort of kind of twice now you know uh, in in the prime Marvel Cinematic Universe and even here on Loki the show you're seeing him kind of go from being like in the first two episodes like I'm in it for me to well, hey, I can determine my own destiny and maybe my own destiny is to be more than someone that just hurts and murders and seeks power. So you're already kind of seeing that. Um, so again, like, like you said, if he was to return to the prime MCU, what story is there for him to tell? And that's the thing I think about. Like, I would be fine with him returning just so we could get fun cameos and, you know, LOL <laughs> moments. That might be actually, that might be the thing is that he, he wouldn't yeah. have like a presence presence, but he would be sort of like, like Iron Man and Spider Man, it'd be like yeah, he'd be popper, like he or Doctor Strange in the later um, Infinity Saga, where it's like, oh, well, let's go visit Doctor Strange, and that's mm. a couple minute scene, and then move on to something else. Now, it's interesting is that we know that there's a lot more to the story that involves other universes where Loki has achieved different levels of power. One where he essentially looks like he's president, and it's like we haven't made any of that stuff yet. So I don't really know how we're gonna get from here to there. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I Yeah, like, you know, when they had the stuff with D.B. Cooper in the first 
episode. I thought yeah. that they were going to show more like low key variants that created timelines like that, maybe. But now I'm kind of like, well, well, what does happen now? Is he going to go recruit other low key variants to join his cause? You know, maybe is that what we're going to see? I don't know, but Council of Lokis. <laughs> Council of Lokis. Uh, yeah, I I think that my, um I think I've read something or saw something earlier that mentioned that when Tom Hiddleston was uh, interviewed about the series and the pacing and stuff that. Um, they sort of anticipated the people being disappointed in like the slowness of episode three, because I think he said that starting in episode four, things like picked up a lot going for like the last half of the season. It was like a very sharp uh, rise in action for yeah. like the last half of the season. Um, but go going back to the question, another thought that I was just popping in my head here is that is like each of the Marvel shows so far has had a major theme to it. Yeah, that's yeah, carried yes. across. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, WandaVision was grief and processing grief and moving on, uh, that sort of thing. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was very much about legacy and inheritance uh, from previous generations. Um, mm -hmm. And I think yeah. this show seems to be um, sort of like the MCU's Macbeth. Uh, it's free will versus yes. determinism. Yes, that's absolutely right. Free will versus, I was going to say that it's, it's totally about free will versus determinism and being able to choose your own path and make your own path. Is Loki's path fixed? Is he always determined to end up the same way? Or can he choose his own path and remake his own path? And I think the answer to that question is going to determine Loki's fate because if everything truly is determined, then a character like Loki basically is self-defeating and there's no place for for a random rogue free will agent um, in a world that's got everything predetermined already. And I think we're seeing that with sort of his, his friction with working with the TVA. Um, but if he wins, that means free will wins, which I'm, I'm assuming is going to happen. That's my yeah. projection for the show. And that's Lady Loki winning or Sylvie winning, uh, him winning, the timeline being thrown into madness. Uh, is basically like that, and that's sort of the 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 um, opportunity cost for <laughs> for free will is that when you allow free will to exist, you also have to allow for the possibility of chaos and madness. Right, and at some point, I'll be very disappointed if I don't see him riding on a jet ski with Mobius and Mobius <laughs> because that needs to happen. That needs to happen. Um, we've kind of the, the third question I had. We've kind of already answered this. Is how does this connect to the rest of the MCU? Again, I think we've already kind of gone over this and answering the last question, but I, I don't think that this is setting up Loki's future story in the MCU. Not to say that he doesn't have a place in it, but we kind of already touched on this. I don't think the goal of this is to set up his future story in the MCU. I think the goal of this is to establish um, the plot points for Multiverse of Madness and and what I hope it establishes is the why behind the crossovers we're going to see in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Why is the Electro from the Sony universe coming into this universe? Why is the Doc Ock from the Sony universe coming into the MCU? Like, it's because there is a broken space-time continuum that's allowing these anomalies to occur it reminds me honestly of into the spider-verse mm -hmm. like there was a like you know kingpin what kingpin builds a machine that allows this crossover between universes and i'm hoping that something in 
this will explain why it's possible. And I really do hope that the rumors about us getting the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans coming into this universe is true also. Because a true Spider-Verse movie in episode three of Spider-Man, uh, or excuse me, Spider-Man Homecoming, not Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man, what's it? What's his last uh, one? No Way Home. No Way Home. <laughs> Golly, I can't even remember it. It'd be easier to remember if we had a trailer. <laughs> Dude, seriously. I really do hope that in Spider-Man No Way Home, we see that crossover. And and I'm hoping that in Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, we kind of see some of that crossover and the building of the multiverse, the Spider-Man multiverse. And I hope that it's rooted in some of the stuff that happens here. Because yeah. this movie comes before Multiverse of Madness. So like, I'm wondering, is it going to be like an escalation where like you see the beginning of the fabric of space-time starting to unravel in Spider-Man 3, and then it comes to critical mass in Multiverse of Madness where Doctor Strange and Wanda have to go try to fix it. And we're assuming that Doctor Strange is going to show up in Spider-Man 3 to address some of the problems there, which why would he do that unless it had to do with some of the things that's happening in Loki. So those are just a few of my thoughts about how it connect to the greater MCU. It's it's interesting that you mentioned that. I, I have had a couple of thoughts just uh, listening to you just now um, about the future of the MCU. And the, number one, like you said, like with No Way Home, and it explain it would explain how you get the different the the Sony verse and the yeah like the Tobey Maguire universe Spider Man uh, villains coming together and why they why they're coming into this this MCU timeline and I think that was one of the I think it was episode two where it, it goes through like a couple of the different Loki variants that had been captured or whatever or neutralized previous um, to the story. And it, and it has all these different versions, like one where he's like an actual frost giant that's blue and a wizard and another where he's like a giant ogre thing with horns and another where he's um, winning the Tour de France. And I that sort of goes to answer one of my questions that I would have had with, with, the, with the thing. It's like, I understand that there's variance uh, between the multi, like between different universes. If I, I, I'm, I'm cool with there being a multiverse basically. Um, and then like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in one and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in another. And then in the MCU, we have um, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. My question would be, why do they look different? <laughs> in other words, like if, if everything else about the universe is the same, why does that one look like Tobey Maguire? Why does that one look like Andrew Garfield? And so forth. Like I can understand like their costumes being different or right. other circumstances being different, but I don't know that their genetics would be different. Um, and I, I think Loki did a good job of like answering that without coming out and saying it. In other words, like variants across timelines can do weird stuff. Um, and, and some of that is like, it can lead to physical changes in that person's appearance given various, I guess, historical changes to their, um, their personal life story or whatever. Um, so that, that's one thing that I think Loki has answered already. And like you said, like in setting up things like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and the Multiverse of Madness and that, it it set the stage for different people playing the same characters um, in other universes. Um, Another thing that sort of popped up is this idea that, and it's, it's been going on since WandaVision premiered, and that is how connected the shows are to the overall movie universe. Um, I know they take place in the same timeline and they're canon, quote unquote, canon to the um, to the MCU movies. But at the same time, I know they wanted it to be separate enough where you didn't have to follow the shows in order to appreciate what's happening in the movies. Okay. 
And so I think that's well and good. And I think so far that's in, that's meant mostly that they've shied away from a lot of like cameos and stuff yeah. that they could have thrown in. Um, like Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange apparently was planned to make an appearance mm-hmm. in WandaVision toward the end yeah. as the Doctor. Yeah. Um, and the commercials were supposed to be his sort of magical way of trying to influence her mind. And then they just cut that because they thought it would take away from her processing the grief and everything. And that's that's well and good. I, yeah. I mean, it, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it would have been nice to have a, a sort of like a, a heavy hitter anchor character from the Avengers franchise to be to basically show up and be there. Um, mm-hmm. And same with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It, it, maybe not Steve Rogers, maybe not old man Steve Rogers, but we could have done with like a Thunderbolt Ross or a, mm-hmm. something, something like so, some bigger name that's like mm-hmm. an important character in the movie version in the movie um, forms of the MCU. And I think with Loki, and I, I, I think they're going to do the same thing again. I don't know that we're going to see Kang the Conqueror necessarily. I doubt that. But I feel like he's heavily being teased, and I would be very surprised if they didn't at least name drop him or one of his names, uh, Immortus, or um, I think it was like Scarlet Centurion or Ramatut, one of the one the, of the names he's used across Immortus the timeline. is the version that I think is most likely to be referenced. It's yeah. just my personal opinion. He, um, he's he's very much the like the sort of the elder custodian, right? Sort of of time, rather than I want to control everything. <laughs> he's sort of the older, wiser. Now that I know how this works, I have to make sure it stays the same um, kind of guy. And I think that also leading in to this, like in fracturing and creating the multiverse, it sort of creates a form of determinism you can have both free will and determinism both be represented overall and that loki and um and sylvie win create a fractured timeline create a multiverse of madness so to speak and everything eventually leads to secret wars hmm. and then you have so so you have this multiverse that's been spawned off spontaneously by the actions of these loki variants and we've we find out that oopsies it was done in a haphazard way so some of them are crashing into each other now and so now you have instead of like a basically creating the the um creating the conditions of the quote multiversal war that they talk about in the tv video like in other words they're the ones that lead to that Mm -hmm. yeah that makes Um, a lot of sense and this this all like has yet to take place they make it seem like it's taking place in the distant distant past where there was a multiverse and then the timekeepers arose and fixed it by creating one timeline yeah but i think it's the opposite i think it's at some point there was there became a multiverse (laughs) and then the timekeepers basically are in the future and they looked back and said we have to stop this and so trimmed all the stuff yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And Hashtag I, have time to, travel. I have to take you to task for one thing. You said that you would like to see a major character from the MCU properties that were in the movie theaters originally show up. And we got Baron Zemo. <laughs> Not only did we get Baron Zemo, we got dancing Baron Zemo. By the way, Baron Zemo was by far the MVP of Falcon Winter Soldier. Oh, absolutely. Like, without question. Like, he was not like I liked him in Civil War because his character was genius. And you and I both said that we both like villains that win. When mm-hmm. villains win. That's one of the reasons that Watchmen, the comic book, was such a great story, because 
the villain of that movie actually ends up being right <laughs> and he wins you get to the end of the, the that story and you watch me you're like oh my gosh not only did he win he he was right mm-hmm. and um with baron zemo he wins and he was right which is what it makes things that makes him such a great villain it's yeah. one of the reasons i like to killmonger killmonger had really good motivation for what he did uh you know he not the way he went about it wasn't right but he had just such great motivation for what he did and such a great plan for executing it so zemo he won like ultimately yep. he ended up won. so anyways so he was great but i i say that in tongue-in-cheek um oh yeah i i, I for i had a brain fart and forgot that he was actually because i i think i was so disappointed in, in sharon carter being the the power broker perhaps power broker. That, well she's probably a scroll well that that would make it better it would make it better <laughs> Because her as a power broker was so well. The thing is, it was so blatantly on the nose. It was like when she says it, it's like a wet fart. It's like, ah, okay. yeah. yeah, it's like it's like finding out the power broker was that that street vendor guy from Spider Man Homecoming. It's like do a flip. <laughs> it's like, oh, we so so we have seen this guy once before in the MCU, but he was yeah. of no consequence whatsoever. Yeah, that the the Sharon Carter power broker doesn't match any of the stuff in the comic books. It just. And you know what? Maybe when we get Shang Chi, uh, if that tournament takes place in uh, Majapur, we'll get some more information about the Power Broker. You know, it would be great to see there in Majapur showing up in that fighting ring, Red Hulk. Just saying. We're already going to get Abomination, a comic accurate Abomination. A comic act. He's got ears again. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And a tail, I think. We'll see. All right. Well, William, I would say that so far. Through two-thirds of low-key, I just have to say, even though this episode this week was a little bit of a letdown, I'm captivated. I cannot wait to see where their story goes. Like I said, this is one of my favorite characters. I will watch as much low-key content as they will give me. I'm interested in seeing how this all falls apart and connects to the greater MCU. And it's crazy to say that in two weeks we get an actual MCU movie back in theaters, which I keep forgetting about, but... Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I, I am, but I'm not because we both know that Black Widow is now like four MCU properties ago. And it's like, is that story just completely cold? Does it even have a place? What's going on now? I mean, because it's before Infinity War. I mean, in Endgame. Yeah. So it's like, okay. But, you know, in Marvel, we trust. I, I will say it. I think it will. And not only because I like Black Widow as a character, but also uh, – all signs and linkage points to them introducing actual mutants into okay. the MCU movies. Um, but I think they're supposed to talk about like the, the Russian version of the Avengers and one of whom is a werebear. So, okay. Hey, if we get mutants, that's a good start. And you know, who knows, maybe that could lead to a hint of Wolverine down in Madripoor battling in the cages. Probably not, but we can <laughs> dream. All right, man. Well, thank you for jumping on William and, uh, chopping it up on WandaVision. Good grief, listen to me. (laughs) Thanks for jumping on women, chopping it up with me on Loki. Uh, Hopefully we can get back together in a few weeks when this is all done and talk about how our minds are blown, our heads exploded, and this was the best thing we've ever seen. It's summertime. I actually have a life again, barring, you know, the birth of my second child any day now. Uh, I should have a lot of free time to do this, so I'm looking forward to recording with you again. Absolutely. All right. This has been Dave Bethay and William Lindblad for Title Theory. William, tell the people adios. Bye, everybody. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.